Hey there, welcome to another edition of Close to the Vest. My name is Arthur Ettinger, and I am super, super excited for this episode. Today, I have the powerhouse father-son duo of Dan and Lance Ribikoff. Guys, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having us, Arthur. Thanks for having us. So Dan and Lance, they are private investigators. Uh, they are the owners of IIG, uh, International Investigative Group. Um, Dan has, uh, and we'll hear a lot about this today, Dan has uh, vast decades of experience as a private investigator, um, and I just want to get this right, so spare me if I am looking down, uh, besides being a world-renowned polygraph expert, and he can be found on the Steve Wilco Show, he can be found on Hack My Life on True TV, he is... Um, a, a true celebrity lie detector. Um, also, my personal favorite uh, on the Impractical Jokers on a few episodes, uh, the author of the book, I Spy, How to Be Your Own Private Investigator. Uh, how'd I do on that? You did great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome, Arthur. So, um, and I know a lot of uh, the world knows you as a polygraph expert. Yes. Um, but I want to focus on today your expertise the two of you and it's truly there's so many things to talk about because i know it's a, a family-run business and we're all about families here right. um and that can be a podcast in and of itself yes but i want to talk about your role as a private investigator okay sure and so uh, before we get into uh, the nitty-gritty i would love for you to just kind of uh, I love the story about how you jumped in. So if you can share with our audience how you got into this space. Sure. So uh, I've been private investigator for over 30 years now. Uh, my son, Lance, who's sitting here with me, and my daughter, Lisa, um, who isn't here tonight, is right. uh, is a, 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 they both are members of the firm as well and uh, both lead investigators. Um, I got involved in the private investigative business um, sort of as a side business with a friend of mine who uh, had his PI license. He was a uh, retired New York City police uh, sergeant, and uh, I came up with the concept of doing investigations for insurers that insured jeweler's block uh, policies uh, for jewelry manufacturers and jewelry stores because I myself had been a diamond dealer and a jewelry manufacturer. So I said, hey, you know, do they need an expert to consult? Because I really know the industry. Right. Um, I was a uh, New York City Auxiliary Police Sergeant myself, so I went through the academy. I went through all the training. Um, always had a love for uh, you know police work, and uh, got together with my partner, and we pitched Lloyd's of London, who was my first client. Wow, that's and not a bad first client. Not a bad to have. first client to have. <laughs> we start at the top, and uh, my first case out was at eight hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar loss for Harry Winston. So that was my first investigation that uh, that I ever had. Wow! And uh, we did a crackerjack job with uh, with that case, and uh, wound up getting armored truck losses, stolen Picasso paintings, um, pieces of the space shuttle that were missing from uh, shipping uh, containers. Wow. I mean, I've uh, I've done it all. If you name it, uh, we we probably have done it. Uh, we've done missing persons. I've recovered. Uh, kidnapped children in the Middle East. Sure. So uh, it really snowballed from uh, that first case uh, and uh, doing a good job and getting the reputation that we have. That's really, really awesome. And so if we can kind of talk about 
your role in the context of a matrimonial action. Sure. Okay. And very often you hear like on the, in the movies and in TV, Oh, we got a private investigator, you know? Uh, and the first thing people think of is infidelity. Right. You know, and most matrimonial practitioners will tell you the potential client. It really doesn't fucking matter. Right. You know, um, we have used your services when it's been an issue, when the actual infidelity is an issue. Um, and maybe you can share that story. If you recall, um, I remember uh, calling up you guys because we had a prenup at the time and there was a provision that if, you know, the fiance had a penchant for, for ladies. And so there was a provision in the document that said that my client would get a couple of million bucks every time she essentially busted the husband. Right. Um, yeah, can I remember that one? <laughs> yeah, Lance, why don't you chime in with that? Yeah, maybe you can share, Lance. Uh, yeah, so that was a few years back, right? It was a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I remember it was sort of uh, on a uh, each time you catch them is a, is a payday sort of thing. Right. So uh, a certain gentleman was believed to be at a hotel using a certain escort service. Sure. So we uh, did surveillance that day on this gentleman, followed him, followed him certainly enough, went upstairs, able to ascertain as to which floor he went on to, uh, sort of waited out in the hallway there, waited for uh, the, sort of the business there to be done. Afterwards, did a nice little door knock, and a uh, former Playboy, Playboy model was, uh, lo and behold, out there um, sort of shortly thereafter uh, the gentleman had left. Yeah, was, that was really huge, and you guys were really instrumental in helping, uh, quote-unquote, settle the case, so to speak. Um, so if you can just explain to the audience what, when you're engaged in a matrimonial, what it what the t issues typically are, um, because as most, as I said before, you're really not coming in to, you know, uncover the infidelity. Right. And most people will already have uh, knowledge of the infidelity or a suspicion of the knowledge of, uh, or a suspicion of the infidelity itself. Um, a lot of times they will tell us who the person is. He's involved with his secretary. This is her name. This is where she lives. So uh, a lot of times we're not surprising them with the information that the, either the husband or the wife are involved with somebody else. Um, a lot of times it's not infidelity that brings us in. A lot of times it's asset location mm -hmm. where people say, uh, one example was a uh, the client calls us up and says, my husband has been an investment banker for uh, 25 years. He works for a very big firm down on Wall Street, and we're getting divorced. And he says that all we have in the bank is $30,000 and this used minivan. And I know that he's got millions of dollars. So I said, all right, we'll conduct an investigation. And they retained us. We conducted an investigation, and I found he had $12 million hidden in Vanuatu which is part of the Fiji Island. Sure. Thing. And a lot of people haven't even heard of Vanuatu before. They had a survivor, one of those survivors, Vanuatu there. So um, the attorneys went into court and uh, said it in open court to the judge, you know, Your Honor, this guy's hiding $12 million in Vanuatu. 
and uh, this poor guy blacks out. They had to call the ambulance, and the EMS took him away. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, the guy just passed out <laughs> right in the middle of the courtroom. So uh, a lot of times we're brought in to locate assets, um, to see if uh, they have hidden assets, to see if they've been depleting assets, which are uh, technically part of uh, the marital uh, distribution. Sure. Uh, you know, is he buying his girlfriend $100,000 necklaces, uh, you know, at Cartier? Uh, is he spending money? Is he paying her rent? Right. Um, we, uh, we had one client, very wealthy guy, who uh, had leased his girlfriends, multiple girlfriends, apartments in Manhattan, had mm -hmm. leased them uh, S550 Mercedes Benzes for $2,000 a month. And uh, all of this was money that the wife was entitled to. Sure. So a lot of times we're brought in for asset investigations. Um, sometimes in matrimonial cases, we're brought in for background investigations where the husband or the wife uh, now are involved with somebody else. And uh, they say, that's okay, I don't mind, but you know, I just don't know anything about this person. And uh, a lot of times we'll uncover some criminal activity that uh, has been in the past, uh, criminal backgrounds or negative uh, type of information, uh, which is important for sure. uh, child custody issues. Uh, one case that comes to mind is a uh, mortgage broker had used our services previously for something else. And uh, he lived in North Carolina, calls me up and he says, Dan, he says, you know, my wife was in rehab. You know, she had a drug problem, an alcohol problem, and she's living in Florida. And she met a guy in rehab. And now this guy moved into her house and he's her boyfriend. He's sitting there doing homework with my kids. He goes, I don't know, I just don't like this guy. I met him. I just have a bad feeling about him. I said, well, what do you know? You know, what's what's his name? What's his, oh, he tells me the guy's name is Chris and some last name. I said, uh, do you have his license plate? So he goes, no, but I can get it. So he gets the license plate off the guy's car. I run the license plate. I get his date of birth. I run him. Arthur, the guy is a wanted sexual predator in Brevard Come County, on. Florida. Yeah. Um, so I hang up the uh, hang up the phone with my sources and I call them up I said call the police now the guys are wanted sexual predator they came they broke the door down and took the guy out of there in handcuffs wow that makes the case really easy to resolve yeah. after that yeah I said best $150 you ever spent right <laughs> all I did was a criminal background check on the guy but uh, yeah he had the feeling that the guy was no good and lo and behold here's the child molester sitting there uh, doing homework with his kids and I know, so that's, that's wild. And, you know, I know, you know, your book and it's, you talk a lot about things that the ordinary person can do, not someone who's trained like yourselves. Right. Um, is that something that, uh, that client could have figured out on their own? Probably not because you wouldn't have access to the uh, databases that we do. So the database was sure. really, uh, really the key and they won't allow um, you know, people that aren't investigators access to that information. So there's a lot of things you can and a lot of things you can't do. Sure. You know, people go on and they'll do these internet searches, but the internet searches aren't really very accurate. Um, the internet searches um, really come from third-party type databases. Uh, they're not very up-to-date. Um, a lot of times you'll get confusing information with people with common names. So, you know, if it's something serious, you really need to hire an investigator. So when you say can and can't do, can you, can you be, can you elaborate as to, you know, what individuals or uh, are you referring to what maybe you can do or what uh, an actual individual that maybe is not licensed as uh, a PI? 
Sure. So uh, to be licensed as a private investigator uh, provides you the ability to legally conduct investigations. We can conduct surveillance. So, for example, um, I'm conducting surveillance on a subject and I have a legal right to do so because it's a matrimonial action or it's an uh, issue involving disability where the guy's claiming he's disabled and an insurance company hires sure. us. Um, a lot of people will go out and do their own surveillance because they want to see, uh, is the boyfriend cheating or is the girlfriend cheating? Um, who are they with? They'll do surveillance to see if that girl is in fact with the guy. Mm -hmm. And now you're crossing the line into stalking and harassment. Right. So um, I've had clients who've called me up and said, you know, listen, I was doing surveillance, but I got arrested and now there's an order of protection against me uh, because, you know, the person called up and said, I'm being stalked and this guy's stalking me and the cops rolled up on me and I, wow. What am I going to say? I'm going to say, I'm watching this person. Oh, really? Okay, so now you admit that you're stalking that person. So uh, that's that's a, one of the pitfalls of doing your own investigation is um, you know the fact that you are not that removed from sure. it. And now you're crossing the line into stalking or harassment. I, yeah, and I love that part in the book because so many times – there is an order of protection in, you know, running side by side the matrimonial. Right. Um, do does that individual that engages you, and let's say there is an order of protection, as an a like, if you are, let's say retained by me, right, as my consultant, and right. you haven't been retained by the individual, does that person have the is there a problem if there is, in fact, an order of protecting protection going against my client? Depends on how it's written. If the order of protection says it's you or other parties, third parties, sure. then we don't touch the case. And we always ask, is there an order of protection in place? Um, if there isn't one, then we always consult with counsel, make sure that they're okay with it, and then we go ahead and we proceed. And, of course, we're always very careful to keep our distance, not harass, do any uh, anything that would cross the line and uh, not only get the person in trouble but get us into trouble. Sure. Um, I've, I know in the past, and you've been really instrumental with us, um, on finding and locating deadbeat dads. Can you talk about that? You, there was one that comes up. We, I remember I represented, uh, an ex-wife, a mom who was owed back child support of, to the tune of like $350,000. And, um, we knew he was out of the country and you guys picked him up on my street in London. You know, I'm assuming in the context of, you know, what I do for a living, that's a lot of your work. Yeah, it is. Uh, deadbeat dads, unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, child custody cases is, is, is a huge problem. Uh, you know, some people will say that they're not working and they're working for cash. Right. Some people will just say they're not working. And in fact, they are actually working and getting paid, um, especially if they live out of town or out of the country, they figure that they've got the shield now from distance. So um, one case that comes to mind is a guy says that he has no employment, he's not working, um, claims that he's uh, collecting welfare, which he is collecting welfare, and it turns out that he's managing a restaurant, uh, getting paid in yeah. cash. Um, we did surveillance, trailed him away from his house, uh, went to the restaurant with hidden cameras, uh, 
had the dinner there, spoke to the waiter, asked the waiter, who's that guy? He's very nicely dressed. Oh, that's the manager. Really? Wow. The man, how long has he been here? Oh, a long right. time. And uh, the waiter basically spewed all the information, gave us what we needed. Uh, he came over eventually, asked, you know, hey, how are you guys doing? Do you like the restaurant? We chatted it up with him. And utilizing the hidden camera and the uh, audio in that camera, we really nailed him good. And uh, the attorneys had great success in, in going after the restaurant for a lot of the wages um, that they had paid him. They said, uh, you know, you paid him in cash. You guys are going to have a problem here in the restaurant. Sure. Like, we don't want any problems. We don't need a headache. And uh, it wound up being very successful for the client. Yeah, I remember. I think it was a case that you had worked on and um, the same thing. Uh, spouse said they were unable to work, physical ailments, and you were outside showing, uh, I think the guy literally picking up the garbage cans and throwing them into, you know, throwing the garbage yes. and, um, you know, and I think the judge actually had a disability and was now the litigant is saying that they can't work, but the judge who is actually you know, physically impaired is saying, really, I come to work every day. Right, exactly. You know, that was really awesome. Yeah, I remember that case. Um, what are, if, if you can elaborate other like do's and don'ts uh, in the context of a matrimonial, like from the perspective of, um, from as a private investigator, and maybe Lance, you want to uh, chime in on that. Uh, sure. So it, a lot of it is going to be on the background side too. A lot of people nowadays are trying to do these social media investigations and we get calls all day long of, Oh, I want to see if this person's on a dating site. I want to start talking to them. I want to see if they'll start talking to another guy, that kind of thing. Um, that in turn is really going to be where you're going to cross the line of whether you're not, you're stalking or you're sure. not. So a lot of times we do have to turn down a lot of business because we are getting a lot of calls of, Hey, I broke up with this girl. I want to see if she's on Bumble. I want to see if she's on a dating site. I want to see if she's she's sort of out in the market there. And then we'll say, what's this for? Oh, I'm just curious. I'm just curious if we help facilitate that. And then he goes, knocks on the door and uh, something ensues. We're liable. We're also there, obviously, to protect them as well. Sure. So unfortunately, nowadays with the access to information, it's really uh, become a a a way for people to feel that they can do certain investigations themselves. But a lot of times it, you, you got to make sure you're staying over the line there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people also try to uh, hack into their uh, yeah. spouse's emails, um, into yeah. their social media accounts. Um, they call us up. They say, can you, uh, you know, put a bug on their phone? Can you put a GPS tracker on their car? These are all things that you can to do legally. Um, can you get them their telephone records? Can't do that legally as well. You know, the attorneys can subpoena it in litigation, but as far as us going out and trying to get their telephone records uh, just to be snoopy, that's illegal. There's a lot of things that we get calls for on a daily basis that we can't do. I want to bug my apartment. I want to bug my car. I want to, can't do it. It's not legal. And that happens a lot. I have had you come in and sweep an apartment over and over again, you know, and, um, and then what? Yeah. I mean, people can obviously get into trouble if, uh, if they're placing uh, recording devices, right. um, you know, into uh, areas where they're not supposed to, um, 
video is okay, believe it or not. So in other words, if you put video in your home, it's actually okay. Um, if you put audio and you're not present, then it's not okay because New York is a one-party state. Sure. So one-party meaning that if you and I are having this conversation now, right now I can legally be taping it. But if I are you taping? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but if I put it down and leave the room, and now you're talking to Lance uh, or you're talking to anybody else, then that becomes a felony. And the district attorney's offices will prosecute you for it. Sure. So a lot of people come with these devices that they buy on Amazon. Yeah, they look eighty like, bucks, right. little flash drives like eighty yeah. bucks on Amazon, and they just leave it on the desk and yep. and they record it and they don't realize they're committing felonies. Yeah, that happens so often. Um, so you brought up actually uh, an interesting point, and you talk about it in your in your book, uh, social media, and every matrimonial lawyer tells their client. You know, stay off social media. And that's almost, at this point, virtually impossible. Everybody is connected to their phones. What would you say as the experts that you are to the audience of what they should uh, and should not be doing on social media, given that is just a whole Pandora's box of knowledge uh, for someone like yourself to gain? Sure. Oh, uh, I'll chime in real quick and then I'll let Lance jump in. Um, social media is a big issue today because it lays out the legend of your life where you can see where you were yesterday. Were you in Cancun? Were you partying? Who were you partying with? Were you right. drinking? Um, you know, we get uh, cases where there's not supposed to be alcohol consumed by either party. And then you got the guy he's out on the boat uh, chugging a beer and he's posting it on social media. So it's, it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel. Right. Um, what we always advise our clients to do is not post. And if you have posted before, deactivate the accounts, get rid of your accounts. You can always open up the accounts after the litigation is over, but kill your accounts and delete everything off of social media because otherwise you're putting information out there that uh, is very easy to get. Sure. And delete your old content too, especially the big zinger on pre-employment uh, background checks that we do. You'll get kids are 18, 19 years old. Now they're 25, 26. And the stuff that's out there just on page one of Google on them is beyond outrageous. Yeah. Makes them obviously not hireable at that point. It's amazing how much social media has literally, like you said, it's low hanging fruit for a matrimonial lawyer, like cross-examination. I've just said, oh, sitting around. I literally had the day before cross-examination. I just said, let me go see. And it was, we were private. It was, uh, the person was private early on. And for, some reason I went on a lark and it was like literally, you know, a treasure chest sitting there and right. it's just print, 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 print. You know, it's, uh, it's amazing how stupid people can be. Oh yeah. We've, we've shish kebobbed people, uh, for insurance companies on disability claims. We had a girl who was a bartender who claims that she was disabled. And of course now she can't lift, uh, you know, racks right. of glasses and she can't do anything. And we find that she's working in a bar and she's on the skydiving team of the bar. So we have her skydiving <laughs> with a back injury. Um, That's and, outrageous. Yeah, it was outrageous because, you know, hey, when you land, you land pretty hard. Um, so we had pictures of the group on social media, her jumping out of the planes, and uh, they're all dated. So, uh, you know, we, we blew her, uh, her disability claim right out of the water. 
Yeah. We had one uh, a couple of years ago too. It was uh, like 40 females down in South Jersey were accusing a doctor of inappropriate conduct. So it's one chick. And again, it's all huge, huge money gram. Very, very poor area of Jersey. So she's on TikTok singing, uh, like dancing to the song, What Would You Do For Money? Some like old disco song. So literally just two minutes of her singing, what would you do for money with like 20s and 40s, uh, 20s and 50s in her hand, just dancing and dancing. And then on her same Facebook page, she we figured out she actually had a disability claim in as well. So we found counsel for them. She had like a daily log of her like going to the gym, like start of the new year, I'm going to get in shape, all that kind of stuff, like doing tricep pull downs, all this crazy stuff. We printed it all out. We gave it to the counsel for, for her disability claim. They're like, Thank you. That's real. That's it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's and it's all pro- it's public. It just you Google search her name. We it took a little bit to find her account, but all there in the open. Yeah, people are their own worst enemies very often, and they don't realize it because it just becomes so matter of fact. Sure, that this is just what you do all day. You just sit there in your post, and so. I, I certainly know the answer to this, but it, it's good for the audience to understand. So when, now you find these nuggets, this information, you gather it up. How do you package it and give it to, let's say it's the the lawyer that's retained you. Um, how do you present it to them? Is it like in, in some sort of report form? Uh, yes. Yeah. We generate uh, formal reports uh, with exhibits. And uh, if there's video, we'll send them a video link as well as a CD so that they can take it, put it in their file sure. and maintain it. Um, so yeah, everything that we do is in anticipation of litigation. So we prepare everything uh, for the attorneys as if they're going to go to court with it. Sure. And have you testified? Yes. Yeah. On numerous occasions on many, many different types of cases, uh, everything from uh criminal cases all the way to uh, immigration cases. And um, and so when you say immigration, what do you mean by that? I do polygraphs for immigration attorneys to be able to prove when somebody entered the country. If they enter the country before a certain time period, they're eligible for uh, citizenship or at least a path to citizenship. So let's say, uh, I'll give you an example, a guy uh, came here from Costa Rica on a uh, merchant ship and he jumped ship in Miami in 1980 and he's been in the United States since 1980, but he has no way to prove that he's been in the United States since 1980. So the polygraph test is admissible in immigration court uh, to prove that the subject has been here, has not left the United States and uh, that he did enter illegally, but uh, in fact, it actually uh, bolsters his case uh, for citizenship. And uh, have you ever been retained um, to do polygraph in the context of a matrimonial? Um, yeah, we've uh, we've done quite a few for uh, some of the real big name attorneys in Manhattan. Right. Um, we did one for um, drinking, where a person's um, bracelet they were wearing a, one of those alcohol monitoring sure. bracelets uh, went off, and uh, she was swearing up and down that she had not drunk. Uh, any alcohol, and uh, we polygraphed her, and they utilized that in uh, in the family court. Um, we've had uh, child abuse, we've had child molestation, uh, where the accusations go, uh, you know, sure. back and forth. Uh, you're abusing the child, you beat him up, you cause the uh, the injury. Uh, one of my 
best ones it may be in the book. I don't remember if I put it in there was the assault with a pork chop polygraph really? for family court. Yes. So, uh, was this a kosher uh, family? <laughs> it was a kosher family. <laughs> so, um, this, uh, this Italian guy loves to cook, um, is in a nasty divorce with his wife who happens to be an attorney and they have a child with Down syndrome and uh, it was out here on Long Island. So the, uh, sorry, I have to laugh. So uh, one day the wife comes home and he's preparing a meal and they start arguing. So he, allegedly he took a pork chop and threw it in the wife's face and hit her in the face with a pork chop. So she called the police. Wow. The police came. I saw the police reports. It says a domestic violence mm -hmm. with a weapon. They charged him with a felony. And the weapon was pork chop written <laughs> on the police report. Wow. It was a boneless pork chop. I was going to Right, it was boneless. Um, so it didn't really cause an injury, but still it was considered a weapon. So he was swearing up and down that he did not hit her in the face with a pork chop. And I polygraphed him and he failed it miserably. He, really? he did hit her in the face with the pork <laughs> chop. Exactly. So that's the pork chop polygraph. And, and, you know, you always hear someone's like, oh, I can beat a polygraph. You wanna, can you speak to that? Yeah, you can't beat a polygraph. A polygraph is a uh, medical test. It's actually several medical instruments that were put together in 1921. So we're talking 100 years ago um, that measure physiological changes that take place in the body when you lie versus telling the truth. It's, it's based on cognitive load because when you tell the truth, your brain does not use a lot of energy. A lot of activity is, doesn't occur in the brain because it's written into your memory what you've done and what you haven't done. When you want to lie, you actually have to engage the prefrontal cortex, which is basically your imagination. And um, 16 parts of your brain are activated when you lie versus telling the truth where we have six parts of the brain that are activated. And we know that now from the advent of MRIs where we can actually watch the brain function. So when a person lies, 16 parts of the brain light up and they use much more energy. And that's what we measure in a polygraph. So you can't beat the test. You can beat an inexperienced examiner if you try to do manipulations with your physiology. Um, it's extremely hard to do. It's very easy to tell. We get people to do it all the time. They try to beat the polygraph because they go on Google right. and it says do this and do that. But that in itself is a sign of deception and that's an instant fail. You fail a polygraph when you try to beat it. And is like, I know like a lot of people get nervous. And so, you know, you, you'll often hear, and I, we had a, a matter where I know the person was so nervous. Right. And, um, it, you know, you hear about like when they're taking um, drug tests mm -hmm. and there's certain um, dilution substances that they, people right. can ingest. Mm -hmm. Is there like a type of medication that maybe will calm someone down so they can quote unquote beat the test or that's even it's foolproof right it's it's really foolproof because it's a physiological test so what happens is people will come in and they'll take um ativan which right. is an anti-anxiety medication to try to calm them down they'll take beta blockers which will uh, regulate your cardio activity um, they'll take Xanax, which is a uh, benzodiazepine and uh, is sort of an anti-anxiety medicine as well the only problem is we see it in the polygraph charts. We watch your heart beating very, very regulated and regimented when you take a uh, 
you know, heart medication that right. will regulate a beta blocker. Um, we see suppressed reactions when a person takes Xanax or takes Ativan or takes another type of drug. Uh, we get people frequently that come in after they use cocaine, methamphetamines, I mean, you name it. And we see it on the charts. So it really is ineffective. Chemical countermeasures really don't work because you would have to come in so impaired by those drugs that you won't react that you'd literally be falling on your face in the, in the polygraph room. So it, it really is very ineffective. Wow. Um, and before we pivot, I wanted to, I want to start, I want to talk about the family. I think it's a great dynamic. Is there any, like the one takeaway for people listening out there, you know, with your knowledge and they're about to embark on a d the divorce because even the easy divorces are very difficult what takeaway advice would you uh give to those individuals you got to keep it civil you especially if there's kids involved you can't show to the kids that there's drama in the house you can't suck the kids into the nonsense of mm -hmm. uh you know daddy did this daddy didn't buy you new sneakers daddy is going out with a whore daddy is disrespecting yeah. mommy you know vice versa they'll do it with the wife um the worst thing you can do is to drag your kids into it the more civility that you can have um in your uh, divorce, the better off the whole family is going sure. to be. And I know that emotions run high, but you know you have to remove yourself and you have to do it for the sake of your kids. And I'm not an attorney, but I've seen plenty of divorces and I've been involved in everything from high profile divorces to low profile divorces. And things go a lot smoother when people are friendly. My sister got divorced from her first husband and they are best friends. They amazing. They've done everything for each other and for the kid. And, uh, you know, the daughter wound up being an attorney, works for a big white shoe firm in the mm -hmm. city now. And, uh, you know, just, really no no complications but uh you know that that's rare though it sure. really is rare but uh, you got to keep things civil i love it and if not for anything else then they won't have guys like you you know snooping <laughs> on their uh, personal life exactly so lance i want to ask you what's it like working with your dad uh it's uh sort of as polished as he's talking now he's uh i'm just trying to learn the learn the trick of the trade every day the hard thing about it is every day is different. So it's me calling him up every day with, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he's like an encyclopedia. He's, he's got an answer, a, a clever idea for sort of almost any problem we, we have to face. I think that's really awesome. I'm very envious of you. You know, my I'm dad. I'm just trying to fire him now. Let, I, him, uh, let him retire. <laughs> well, in due time, in due time. And you, and you get to work with your sister. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. She's a, a bit more fiery, but, uh, She's doing a lot of the polygraph stuff, so she's uh, we got our own little, little uh, uh, corner, uh, little parts of the office carved out to you know, nice to uh, make sure the peace is kept. And are there uh, family quarrels under the uh, you know uh, under the roof? I know it can be tough, you know, uh, working for um, you know family, working with family. Um, um, it's, I think it's a lot smoother than really anyone would actually anticipate. I don't know if it's just I can't get anything by him, but 
it's uh <laughs> well the it tough would've... the tough one is the is the wife she's the bookkeeper right so she you know she's the more demanding one you know i need this i need that you put this into a file and i need to bill it and what's the rate and how much and is missing a report and uh you know she'll uh she'll call up and chew the kids out i'm i'm more of the very even nice going uh, father yep. where, where she's the tougher cookie I don't know if I believe that. I know Barbara, but I don't. I, but as a bookkeeper, she's got to, you know, she's got to run the operation. Yeah, so she's she's a tough yeah. tomato to say the least. She she, she gives the kids hell. So, um, on that topic, you guys are happily married for quite some time. What is your advice to uh, people in a relationship, and what what to you is what, what makes it work? So, yes, I've been married for a long time, 38 years. Mazel tov. Um, and uh, married my high school sweetheart um, since we were 15 years old, actually 14 years old. And the key to it is to be very flexible, almost like the uh, the willow tree where you got to go back and forth because the winds are going to blow. And if you're not going to be flexible, things are going to crack. So you can't take things too seriously. Um can't make too many demands. You have to respect each other. Sure. Um, respect the other one's uh, feelings and desires. Um, I always put her ahead of uh, you know, whatever I want to do. It's always, what do you want to do? And it goes back and forth. You know, she goes, what do you want to do for dinner? I don't care whatever you want to do. You know, no, tell me. You never tell me. I go, well, if I tell you, you tell me you don't want to do it. So might as well just go to your choice anyway. So, right. so that's, that's the way I play it. I play it very neutral. Um, and uh, it's, it's worked. It really has worked. Has okay. she ever asked the polygraph expert to sit for a polygraph? No, yeah. she has many a times. Yes, exactly. I said, do you want to break the machine? <laughs> so. That's really funny. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming and uh, sharing. This means a lot to me. Thank and, you, Arthur. Uh, I have the utmost uh, respect and admiration for you guys uh, in what you do, uh, both professionally and personally. Thank you. Thank um, you very thank much. You. I have one other question for both of you or sure. either one of you. So I'm a big sneaker person, as you may know, and I ask all my guests what their uh, favorite sneaker is. So chime away. I'm trying to think like peak middle school. Like what was the shoe? Probably Air Force Ones. Nice. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an Air Force I had like the white fan. on white ones in like seventh, eighth grade. Those are, those those are, are the, very popular. Yeah. Those, those are, are classic. Those are huge. You being into like Jordans and stuff like that? I'm a retro one fan. Yeah. I'm a big retro one I like fan. the golf shoes. Well, yeah, the, Nike has a lot of Yeah, uh, the Jordan golf shoes. Those are those are those are clean. How about yourself? Me, I'm the old type uh guy. I wear new balance because I got a okay. white foot and that's the only thing that'll fit yeah. me. So the dad the <laughs> dad shoe. The dad yeah. shoe. Exactly. My mom wears new balance yeah, too. New balance, those yeah. well, those are the most comfortable and they really are. you know, uh orthotics and stuff yep, like that exactly so awesome that's what i wear well thank you so much for coming thank, guys thank you arthur for having I us appreciate having us. it it's nice to have a celebrity in the uh in the studio thank you my <laughs> friend thanks so much thanks